you hear a lot about delegation and for good reason, right? But I think that sometimes people see delegation as a task. I'm going to delegate this task when really it's more about, I'm going to delegate this responsibility. And then even beyond that, I'm going to delegate control. I can give you a list of tasks to do, right? And that might help me a little bit. That might grow you a little bit, but not to the point that we're going to need to, to really both kind of propel forward. And if you can get comfortable with a team, build a really good team, get the right people, a good vision, like our visionary, we know exactly where we're going, right? Communicate that. Then I try, this is still something that I am shedding. You know, I try, here's what we want in the end. Here's the end result. You figure it out. Welcome to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. What if you could hang out with successful women lawyers, ask them about growing their firms, managing resources like time, team, and systems, mastering money issues, and more. Then take an insight or two to help you build a wealth-generating law firm. Each week, your host, Davina Frederick, takes an in-depth look at how to think like a CEO, attract clients who you love to serve and will pay you on time, and create a profitable, sustainable firm you love. Davina is founder and CEO of Wealthy Woman Lawyer, and her goal is to give you the information you need to scale your law firm business from six to seven figures in gross annual revenue, so you can fully fund and still have time to enjoy the lifestyle of your dreams. Now, here's Davina. Today, I want to introduce our sponsor, Noble Marketing. Over the last four years, Noble Marketing has tracked more than 250 law firms and discovered 60 to 80% of new client calls were generated through Google My Business and Google Ads. Basically, you need to be on Google and Noble Marketing can help. I recommend them because they have an incredible guarantee. Your campaign will be profitable in three months or less, or they will work for free for an additional three months. If they fail after a total of six months, they'll refund your entire investment, including ad spend. If you could use more qualified leads, I encourage you to reach out to Ronnie Deaver at noblemarketing.co. Mention you heard about them here on the Wealthy Woman Lawyer podcast and Noble Marketing will waive your setup fee, instantly saving you up to $2,500 or more. And now on with our show. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. I am so glad you're here, and I'm really glad that Sonia Palmer is here. For those of you who love the Law Her podcast like I do, then you're familiar with Sonia and what a tremendous interviewer she is. She had me as a guest on the show, and I had questions for her and wanted her to, to get her on the show. She is the VP of Operations for Rankings.io. And that is a company that helps personal injury law firms and other elite law firms get that precious Google ranking that we're always looking for, that search engine optimization. And so these are real pros in SEO, search engine optimization. And I'm happy to have Sonia here to talk about it. So welcome, Sonia. It's good to see you again. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for having me. We have so many questions about everything, the Law Her (laughs) podcast and rankings.io's and SEO. So We're going to jump in, but before we do, give me the elevator pitch for rankings.io and how you guys serve your clients and tell me about the company. Yes, for sure. So rankings.io, we do SEO for personal injury lawyers. We specialize in PI 
and we provide SEO services and we're very good at. <laughs> when I say SEO, that typically looks like content, link building, local SEO. We're trying to generate leads and cases for these firms using Google search engines. Wonderful. We've done Wonderful. SEO for years and we've just started doing design, web design and looking to offer maybe some more services to lawyers in this coming year. You actually have a degree in web design or you taught web design at a college, right? What's your degree in? Correct. My degree is in instructional design. So like educational design, but I have an associate's degree in web design. And yes, I did teach it for a few years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I've done web design and I much prefer to outsource it to others now because... <laughs> Although you can do it now without knowing code, it's still, mm -hmm. it's amazing to me how many people don't understand the design part of web design. And it's really important how, not only how things perform, but how they look as well. So it's interesting you guys are adding that then to your sort of stable of services. For sure. The line was getting very blurry because the user experience is extremely important to SEO. Google pays attention to where those clicks happen. So if your site is not designed well, and it's not friendly to users, not only are you not going to get leads and cases, people aren't going to click, they're not going to contact you, but Google's largely going to ignore you as well. And then uh -huh. the speed, last summer, Google actually introduced an algorithm update that was just for speed. So if your site didn't load correctly, particularly on a phone, Google was kind of going to not reward you if your site wasn't fast enough and it couldn't perform well for a user. So yeah, we entered design largely because it's extremely important to SEO now. Oh, interesting. Interesting. All right. So before we get too deep into SEO, because I do have more questions about that, tell me about your journey to working with rankings.io and becoming their VP of operations. Where were you before? What were you doing before? What was your vision for your career when you were younger? Yeah, I don't know that I had one. <laughs> <laughs> it was an evolution. I think I was ruling out as much as I was ruling in. I was always very good with technology. I was the kid that was fixing your VCR and had a talk boy in your face. And so I studied then design. I didn't really even do IT. That didn't really feel like my vibe. But, you know, as computers and the internet became part of our daily lives, I got really good at building it, fixing it, troubleshooting it. So it made sense to study it. And that's what I did. I did web design. I did instructional design. But while I was studying, I actually had to take a photography course. And it was one of the old film photography. And I really liked it. I was really good at it. I got a lot of really good feedback from my family, my friends, peers, professors. And they're like, you need to do this. You need to charge for this. You need to do this as a career. So I did. I opened a photography business. I did weddings, you know, for years, senior, anything I could, owned a business, you know. So I was responsible for finding new clients, finding new customers. And that's how I sort of taught myself digital marketing. I did my own logo, built my own website. I put myself on the Facebook, you know, anything I could. And in trying to do that, that's how I learned about SEO. And I optimized my site, little small town in Ohio. And I was ranking number one in major metros like Columbus, Toledo, Cleveland, which was easier to do back then, but still difficult. And then people started coming to me instead of photography. They're like, who did your logo? Who did your website? I'm like, well, let me show you. <laughs> and I started working with small businesses. I got a lot of main street businesses online, got their first websites, 
um, got them on social media and was really, really good at it. And I hated freelance. You work really hard for a little bit of money. (laughs) And then started working with agencies. So still projects, still contract work, decided to tie, would like to have health insurance. So I got my (laughs) portfolio together. I got my resume together. And rankings was the first job that I applied for. And I applied. They snapped you up. They interviewed and was hired within 48 hours. So yeah, I started as a CO specialist. So I was doing the work, immediately fell in love with legal. I really love legal. I respect lawyers and attorneys a lot, particularly firm owners. After having a business, after having done it on my own, my dad owned his own small business. I really, really respect what they're doing. And I just, I love the drive. I love the commitment, the dedication and the service that they provide for their community. I think it's really, really special and it's very, very competitive. So yeah, I started as a specialist. I saw ways to improve the way things were being done in our products and our services. So they just kind of kept giving me more to do and then more to manage. And here you go, here you go, here you go. And I now have a team of almost 20, I think. How long have you been with rankings? Six and a half years. Six and a half years. That's pretty quick to advance from yeah. SEO yes. specialist to <laughs> VP yeah. of operations. Yeah. I imagine that learning to be a manager was probably had a steep learning curve because when you come from the do-it-yourself bootstrapper freelance world, which is a lot of solo firms do that, one of the challenges that anyone in a small business that starts out bootstrapping and grows is realizing that we have to manage maybe when we don't have any experience or training in management. What do you think the biggest challenges for you have been in that? Yeah, you're absolutely correct. I had great leadership. Um, Our CEO, our president, they really understand it. They were fantastic role models. They set great examples. You hear a lot about delegation and for good reason, right? But I think that sometimes people see delegation as a task. I'm going to delegate this task. When really it's more about, I'm going to delegate this responsibility. And then even beyond that, I'm going to delegate control. I can give you a list of tasks to do, right? And that might help me a little bit. That might grow you a little bit, but not to the point that we're going to need to, to really both kind of propel forward. And if you can get comfortable with a team, build a really good team, get the right people a good vision, like our visionary, we know exactly where we're going, right? Communicate that. Then I try, but this is still something that I am shedding. You know, I try, here's what we want in the end. Here's the end result. You figure it out. I was very bad in the beginning. I think I've gotten better, but I definitely still have room to just let my team figure it out and delegate not a task, but the control. That's such a profound observation and so true. I think that's where most women law firm owners and you know coaches, creatives, whoever is trying to grow a business, it's where we struggle is especially high achieving women are used to doing everything themselves. It's what yes. gets us through our education. It's what gets us through starting the firm to begin with. And then there comes this point where we're at our limit capacity-wise. The only way to grow our capacity to serve more people, to make more money, to achieve bigger goals is to bring in a team and start hiring people. And I think it is one of the biggest challenges facing women law firm owners who want to scale their business is 
management. And so I think you make such a wonderful point about it is not just the task that you're talking about. The hardest thing to do, because we can give tasks and then we're wondering why we're still so inundated. And it's because we haven't given authority with the task. We haven't said you have authority and accountability. So there's this couple, there's two pieces to it. You have accountability for it and you also have authority. And I think authority is where a lot of us really get hung up. Like we want people to be accountable, but then we don't give them authority to make decisions. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge stumbling block for a lot of people in management. So that's a wonderful observation. I'm glad you shared that because I think a lot of people will benefit just from that gold nugget. Yes, completely. And I see it specifically with female law firm owners where they can't even imagine growth or imagine scale you know, because they're so in the weeds. And if they can do this, now they can kind of rise up. And now they can get into that mindset. Okay, here's how I'm going to grow. Here's how I'm going to be this many million dollar firm. It's the starting point. I saw it It was given to me, the autonomy was given to me. So it was then easier to hand off. So yeah, yeah. So you learn by example, you were given autonomy, and you were given authority and given accountability for results. And then you were better able to pass that along to others. And I think it's the control piece. It's the part that the fear around, well, I know my strengths and weaknesses, but I don't know. And if this person doesn't deliver, it's on me. And I think you made a wonderful point. You said people, they're so in the weeds that they can't even imagine what it's like. And what it takes to get out of the weeds is really stepping into outside the comfort zone, really, to get to that. I interviewed Jen Gore, who is a personal injury lawyer out of Atlanta. And her team, they did a test run of her like completely absent for a week. Do not contact me for seven days. And then we're going to come back and see how that went. And I loved that attitude. You figure it out and then we'll revisit. (laughs) And then, you know, I can come back in and maybe like, I didn't like the way that this went. And I think that is, especially for, for women who are growing firms, that's a great place to start. Don't wait for the emergency where you are gone for six weeks or you want to go on vacation for six. Practice with your team. Go AWOL for a week and see how they do. <laughs> yeah, practice. I love you. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that because that is something that usually it's down to crisis. It forces law firm owners to of solo or small firms to change overnight. I've seen that happen yes. with certain clients of mine either they'll get hit with, usually it's illness. There's some illness that is a very serious illness that the doctor just says, that's it. You can't continue with this level of stress. You can't continue Mm -hmm. or we have to go through treatments or whatever. And it's amazing what people will do to cover things, to cover their business when they are placed under that kind of pressure. They do it. They manage to figure it out. And yet- Mm -hmm there will be people who will go months and months and months and never figure it out. And what I always say to them, the reason why is because your comfort zone, the enemy of great is not good. It's your comfort zone. It's you're too comfortable with where you are. If you don't make changes, life's going to happen and suddenly you're going to be forced to, and then you're going to see what you're really made of, right? So (laughs) definitely, definitely. Well, I want to talk about the, we shift gears a little bit, talk about the Law Her podcast, because I noticed that you have a pretty male heavy, you know, leadership. You're it, you're the girl, right? So what made you decide that you needed to do a podcast and especially a podcast for women lawyers? There's two of us now. 
There are two. Yay. <laughs> so we have two women now. Yes. And it wasn't my idea. <laughs> it was our CEO's, Chris's idea to do this. And it was largely he hosts PIM, which is the personal injury marketing mastermind, and had done it for a little over a year, had been very successful in being sort of like in the podcast network, the podcast world. We realized that women were, we needed to shine a light on them, that they were not in the spotlight, in the focus, in the same way that their male counterparts were. And they exist, they're out there, right? But they just weren't getting the opportunities. And we have them on PIM, but we really felt like just dedicating a space to highlighting these women's stories was very needed. And it was new for me. I had never hosted anything before. I consider myself an outgoing introvert. So I was just naturally, hey, Sonia. <laughs> You want to host a podcast? Like, okay, yeah, I guess I can try that. And then they told me the name, which was Lawher. And I was like, okay, all right, I'm in, I'm all in. We have just gotten incredible feedback. Every single guest we've reached out to has been like, hell yeah, I want to be on this podcast. <laughs> you know, we didn't have a huge presence yet. It was just very, very, very well-received and well-needed. And we've created already just this little network of very powerful women. And the more that I have interviewed so many incredible women over the last year, there's little pockets of us everywhere. Yeah, there are so many other leaders, people in this community that have carved out a section. I feel all of that tightening up, you know, and yeah. just becoming a much larger network that's not even female-centric necessarily. But people, yeah. lawyers. It's interesting, his observation and coming from that place, because it's one of the things that led me to start the Wealthy Woman Lawyer podcast is that, so I have so many colleagues that I know from my marketing days. And I just found that there were a lot of men, particularly white men, who mm -hmm. would start podcasts or do, you know, start networking groups. And I would go through and see who they've interviewed. And I would see a lot of, first, a lot of white faces, almost all white faces, and then a lot of men. And there'd be very few women. And I would think to myself, well, there's got to be a woman out there who does the same thing this man does. But there's not the thinking of, let me go find that woman, right? The putting the effort into it. It was like, let me talk to my buddy who does this, right? That was what, you know, you probably have the same thing when you started looking out there and actually started looking at these legal podcasts and seeing that they're great, but where are the women's voices? And I think that women, first of all, we have a unique perspective, right? Just from our position in the world. And then also, I think we have really interesting stories. I'm always amazed. I'm sure you have this experience at like when you're talking to somebody and they go, so, oh yeah, I also do swing dancing and collect whiskey. Like you get these mm -hmm. really interesting women. Oh yes, I've written two awesome. novels as well. And so it's so fun to talk to women lawyers because you find out there's all these really interesting other things other so than being lawyers so or being different. moms that they do, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. I was very surprised when we sort of had the idea, which it's an interview style podcast for female lawyers. I was like, how can this be different? And I've not had a single one that was even similar. Truthfully, they have all had such a unique story and right. a unique perspective and outlook over and over and over again. It's completely different. I yeah, because you think it. you're going to be interviewing them and everything after a while is going to be the same. Like, how did you or your business? What did you, how many people did you hire? How did that work? It's never like that. There's always never. something that is special that comes out from the person that you're interviewing and being able to share their story. 
I think it's so inspirational. I know I get inspired interviewing people and also listening to other podcasts with women lawyers because I go, wow, you can do this. You can do that. She did this. This is amazing, right? And you just feel so inspired by the things that other people are doing and it expands your vision of what you can do with your life. It doesn't have to be this traditional way of being a lawyer, showing up and in the Navy suit and you know, whatever the vision of a traditional law firm is, we're seeing women who are doing all kinds of different things in the law. And I find that inspiring. Absolutely. I've also been really surprised the wrong word, but just impressed at the different places the female lawyers are at. You have women who are at the top of their game. They own firms. They are killing it. And they have this incredible story and how they got there. And then I've talked with these women who were kind of in the middle. You know, they've left the firm that they were working at. They've started on their own. They have a lot of room to wiggle. And then you get, they just graduated. They've just passed the bar. This is their first job. They're dreaming big. And each perspective is different. And you can learn from all of them. And that was another thing that surprised me. Just how different people in different places in their journey. I also find that we learn about different challenges. If you can get people to share some of the challenges that they face, there are some challenges that men have as well, but there are a lot of challenges that Mm -hmm. women face that men don't face and people of color face that white people, Caucasian people don't face and don't even realize until you start having conversations and asking questions and asking people to share their stories. And then you're like, oh, wow, that never occurred to me or I never knew this. You know, I think we have a lot of men who listen in our audience, even though this is geared yeah. to women. I suspect there are a lot of men who like to listen because they want tips and tricks on how to grow their law firm and hear those insights as well. And so I think it's a wonderful thing to have more of these types of podcasts because you're really educating. You're educating by letting people share their stories, you know? I think even with the statistics that are not promising, right? You know, there are more women in law school than men, but still only 22% are partners. It's way less than that that even own their own firms. Mm. That's getting better. That's changing. But I think despite those statistics, they're not what they should be. There is kind of like what we talked about earlier. It's that growth mindset, you know? It's not, I can own my own firm, right? I can grow this business. I can have employees. I can have 50 employees. I can be the dominant law firm in my city. You know, so it's to take uh-huh. it that step further, dream bigger, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And yeah. that's where those opportunities present themselves. You see straight white men on podcasts because they're the ones that are thinking, I got a podcast because that's going to give me exposure and that's going to bring me business. I want the people of color and the women to have that mindset. Correct. Just yeah. having your firm, yes, good, but think bigger. You could have the biggest firm in your metro. You know, right, right. You have somebody out there like Grant Cardone who's saying the 10x factor, like picture, I want a million dollar firm. Well, instead of saying that, I want a $10 million firm, right? I do find that in coaching and working with women. It is one of the challenges that I'm always, Yes. I recently had a client who was doing on track. She'd grown her firm. She'd made some changes. It was really a challenge for her. And then her husband, also an attorney, hit it big with a case Mm -hmm. and made all this money. And she dialed back mm-hmm. immediately. And I was like, no, don't do it. But it's not my life. You yeah. know, it's not my dream. So people get to choose what it is that they want ultimately. But for me, like being on the mission that I'm on to get women law firm owners, to get women lawyers to expect more 
for themselves, to ask yes. for more for themselves, yes, to yes. not ride side saddle, you know. And I think there's a whole generation of young women who are coming up that don't, you know, just think completely differently from my generation. And certainly here in the deep South where I live. So it's really encouraging, exciting for me to hear their stories as well as the stories of the women who, like me, were showing up in places at a time when there weren't a lot of other women to model for you. And so you had to go in and you had to play the game to get anywhere that you wanted. So I love hearing those stories because I think let's us know on whose shoulders we stand, right? And yes. then I love hearing the new energy where people are coming in and they're going, yeah, but why do I have to settle for that? Why do I need to do it this way or that way to get what I want? So it's a very exciting journey. We're not there yet. There's a lot of movement happening and a lot of changes happening. Yeah. Yes, I completely agree. I think that is one of the benefits of digital, social media, right? virtual, because the pioneers, people like you, who set off kind of on their own to carve a path, you're able to directly see the impact of that on the younger generation. And that's not always been the case. You didn't see it until long after it had happened. And we're getting to see sort of the fruits of the labor when it was really hard in this younger generation, in our current generations. It's having that effect, but how rewarding and how amazing to know that they will not have the same struggles. So I love that. Right, right. And can't even imagine the circumstances of that struggle. That's (laughs) the part where you know that that things have really shifted. Hey, can I ask you a question real quick? How good are you at delegating? I find delegating is one of the biggest challenges many women law firm owners face in their business. Some think to themselves, it's just quicker if I do it myself. Others don't have a team or the right team to delegate to. And still others tell me they think they are delegating, but realize that they still have way too much on their plates and they often don't understand why. If any of that sounds like you, I've got your back. Go to www.wealthywomanlawyer.com slash delegation hyphen secrets hyphen opt-in O-P-T-I-N to grab a copy of my free report, Delegation Secrets for Women Law Firm Owners Who Do Too Much. In this report, I share with you the secrets I've learned about delegation from almost a decade of coaching women law firm owners. Commit to become a better delegator in 2023, and your new mantra will be, the less I do, the more I create. You can find the link in the show notes. And now back to our show. So I was working at an agency when law firms were asking, do I need a website? What's a website? Do I really need that? (laughs) And that was what our agency was doing is building websites for mm-hmm. law firms and other professional businesses. And, we were, and they were like, okay, so this is like a flashy brochure we have to have online. And they didn't think about people searching it. They didn't realize that one day we would replace the phone book, you know? <laughs> and then when social media came along, boy, that just blew everything up. And there's a lot of downsides to social media. That there's a lot of danger the way some of these mm-hmm. you know, companies are run for sure. I thought the internet and websites leveled the playing field because you could have a small firm compete with a larger firm because you wouldn't be able to tell you have this gorgeous website. But now it's even bigger shift because now you have lawyers that there's not even an office to go to and they're running big firms with remote employees everywhere and able to grow faster because they don't have the overhead and the expense of an office, even though there's some who still like that, you know. So it's really been amazing to see the transition 
happen. And I think the law is one of those areas that is like a big ship that's really hard to turn. And we still have these, you know, monolithic law firms, you know, that are, that people know. We think that technology is going to take away the personal service. And actually, technology is helping us get more personal than ever. I think that is going to be really interesting 10 years from now where we are. And we're talking about SEO. I want to, before we run out of time, I want to talk about SEO particularly because not only because it's the service you guys offer, but because I think a lot of people think, uh, first of all, a lot of people, a lot of attorneys think, I don't want to think about SEO because it's too much. And I know from a web design standpoint, when we're talking about doing SEO for a website, all the different things that must be done and it's ongoing. And so that also, mm-hmm. I think people think there's a lot of expense associated with it. Then they think, well, I can get the plug in and do it myself. And then of course they don't do it themselves because who's got the time for that? So first of all, tell us what it means when you say search engine optimization, what's the goal? What's the end outcome we're trying to get? And then let's talk about how to get there. Number one on Google. Number one uh, that's on Google. our goal. Do you think that's number possible for lawyers, for small oh, yeah. firms? Because I think number one on Google is LegalZoom. LegalZoom is the largest spender and the ones who set the marker for everybody else. And it's uh, fine law. They're on the front page. And then usually you have your big firms like the John Morgans of the world who were on the mm-hmm. front page. Mm-hmm. And so is it even possible for other firms to get on the first page of Google? Absolutely. A few things. If you are, SEO is the production game and therefore the production of it, there is an expense to it. Okay. That number one spot on Google has a dollar amount assigned to it, right? Somebody is paying. You got to find out what that is and then beat them. But there are a lot of things that come into play. So you mentioned Justia and Fine Law and some of these other directory-like sites that aren't, they're not a true representation of what the user is really looking for. And a year ago, even dominated search results. But Google's gotten, Google knows when you type that in, that's not Google exactly knows everything. what the user's <laughs> looking for, you know? And I think that is what separates SEO still from any other digital marketing, from social media, even PPC to a certain extent, but it's more expensive. Um, email newsletters, the grassroots is the direct intent right? There isn't really a whole lot of other platforms. I have just been injured in a car accident. I have just been arrested. I'm going to search car accident lawyer. This person is ready to retain a lawyer. Social media can't replicate that. It's a great brand awareness and a trust factor. But that intent, that very important intent alone starts with Google. So it is expensive. SEO is expensive. But there are things that you can do to get yourself ready for when you can make that investment, when you're ready to grow. So on first page of Google, now you have local service ads, which are at the very top. This is a paid local um, verification that Google offers. It's number one. Costs money per click. Number two is typically paid ads, right? Legal, personal injury in general, is one of, if not the most competitive spaces for pay-per-click. Those clicks are extremely expensive. (laughs) Intense there, you're probably going to get a case that's going to cost you. The third one is Google Business Profile, which is free. This is a free service that Google offers to local businesses. And that's kind of where I would encourage those smaller firms that may not have a huge budget to start. So you can rank there, especially proximity, which is a huge... If you have an office in a major metro, that has just given you a huge leg up (laughs) because Google bases it on proximity. 
The next thing that Google is looking at is reviews. So I don't know that Google measures a review, but it measures a click. And users, myself included, when I'm looking to buy a service, I check the reviews. <laughs> and whoever has the most with a, a realistic rating, you know, five is unrealistic, probably. That's who I'm clicking on. And Google pays very close attention to those clicks. That's a vote of confidence. So someone who doesn't have a giant budget for SEO can get a Google business profile. They can set it up and they can start a review process in their firm. It is so important. Even today, like you don't have a budget for digital marketing, create that process, train your entire team. And you look for those opportunities. You have had a good interaction with the client. They're saying, oh, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so happy I called you. Awesome. Please leave us a review. <laughs> and then you're going to follow up with them with an email. You're going to call them and make sure that they follow up. That is one thing that a small business, no matter how small, one person, that's something that you can do to set yourself up so that when you do have the budget and you have the intake system, because that is also key and you're ready to grow, you are set up for success. And then content. The bulk of what SEO is, is good content. So if you can't pay, if you don't have the budget yet for that massive production or the super, um, you know, the amount of content that the big firms churn out, focus on good quality writers, content that you don't want a legal library. That's not what users are looking for. They want information on how much a settlement's going to be or what to expect when they get to the courthouse. You can get really, really good content that will naturally attract backlinks. And then again, when you're ready to invest, you're ready to use a company like Rankings, you're already set up for success. And we're just going to take that in. It's definitely so, possible. I think you're going to have people listening and going, okay, well, if Rankings doesn't do all that, what does Rankings do? I don't understand. So can you go a little further into like how you ignite this little spark that we've already created? What kinds of things do you do? Why would we want to hire an SEO services company? They all sing. They all are married to each other. The website matters. You talked about, you know, you can build a website without knowing code. You can. <laughs> it's probably going to be slow. It might look pretty, right? But it's not going to perform the way that a custom built site. That's what Rankings does. We have a custom legal WordPress theme that we apply to all of our sites. It's the fastest thing I have ever seen. <laughs> and that's wow. saying something. So you're paying for a website that Google is going to love. You can get a theme, you can do a Wix site and all those different things. Google's going to love them less because they're not fast enough. They just aren't. So that's the one thing that we do. So it's a site out of the gate. We have years of experience working with PI lawyers. So we know exactly how to design them to capture Google, but then also convert the user. So it's twofold right. there. We also do... Us huge content development. We are looking for what content are you missing? What content does your competitor have? What content could be better? What content needs deleted? What content just needs optimized? Our engine is really content. Again, this is something we have done over and over and over again, where we have been able to rank people in their metros for the most competitive terms, sort of with our method. We also do local SEO, getting that set up, optimized correctly. And then we build links which Google tells you exactly what you need to do, right? SEO, right. Google gives you a whole list of stuff. Check, 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 check. But the real sort of beauty in SEO is knowing when to disobey Google. 
<laughs> and building links is a very specific strategy. You want to work with Google and then sometimes work against it to kind of generate the results. You have to update it constantly. Exactly. I mean, I think that's something that's ever evolving. Yeah, I think we need to talk about keywords and keyword research because I know we can't have a conversation about SEO or Google <laughs> without talking about keywords. And that is something that I think a lot of people find confusing. Remember those days when people were creating websites and they were keyword stuffing? So they were just, they had, oh, yeah. these, these are my keywords I want to be searched for. And so all my all their content was just the most awkward, awful content because it was stuffed with these keywords that they were hoping people would search. Obviously, Google got wise to that. So talk to us about kind of the that process and why sure. it's important. And this is another one. Google changes its mind all the time. What worked six months ago is not going to work today. What worked five years ago is definitely not working today. We saw that. I still run into sites where you have, you know, people in law firms who are in marketing that created a page for every keyword they wanted to rank for. So they would have Detroit car accident lawyer page, Detroit auto accident lawyer page, Detroit car crash page, pages, thousands of pages with the same keywords, very little useful content. And while that may have worked then, that is going to work very much against you today. <laughs> you want one page that's going to attract that. And for a long time, we were seeing that the word count is really what mattered. We found that, you know, 1800 words, keyword density, you know, you want a good ratio to not overdo it. 1800 words seemed to be the sweet spot. And that worked for a long time. And then if the longer your content, the higher you ranked. Well, that was easy to replicate. That was easy to do. Google's kind of nixed that with their most recent update. Now it's really about boiling the information down so that it is an exact match to that user intent. And it's actually less content, but less words, but better, higher quality. That's kind of yeah, what Google's asking for now. I wondered about that because I always, from a, the way users use con access content now, and also designers, I mean, it's a knife in the heart of every designer. When they're trying to design <laughs> this beautiful page with lots of white space, it's going to be appealing to human eyes and human beings. And they're like, oh, but you have to have, you know, 2000 words on this page and designers are going, oh my God, no. And so that's a good oh, yeah. change. It's a good change because a lot of things, when people are writing 2,000 words, it'd be more powerful if it were condensed into, you know, 500 words, right? It would get more to yes. the point and get what you, as opposed to that kind of thing. But I think yes. Google's reasoning at the time was you're a more credible authority if you can write mm -hmm. that much. You're not some writer that somebody's hired to write some quippy mm -hmm. thing. There's something substantial here, right? Mm -hmm. But that's changed. And, and that's where the expertise comes in. We are the ones that are paying attention to this. And the truth of the matter is, sometimes you can get 2,500, 3,000 words to rank. Like sometimes Google does still want that. And then other times they reject it. No, we want 900 words that's super dialed in. So that's sort of that line to know when to disobey Google and then when to do exactly what Google is asking. Because if you do exactly what they're asking, you're probably, you'll do well. You're not going to hit number one. You have to know where to tweak it. Wow, that's so interesting. It's very fun. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so it sounds like quite the game. And what's interesting to me is you it's personify Google too. Google like this is part, but Google is really a collection of people whose whole jobs are just to mess with the minds of other oh, yeah. people. <laughs> Much like Facebook, yes. same principle. I enjoy punking it. I do. I really do. Right, right. I can tell you, you really enjoy that kind of puzzling. Yeah. I hope people are listening to this and they're thinking to themselves, oh my God, I don't have time for that. 
I hope that's what they're thinking. I don't have time for that because it should not be you doing this. If I could be more, you know, not be more clear, you should not be the one doing this. This is not a self-study program, not a self-study course. It's something where you're hiring people to help you with this. You just don't have time for it. Even if you have an interest, if you're running a law firm business, this is one of those areas that is an outsourced area. You don't want to spend the weekend sitting there with your, you know, plug in on oh. the back or trying to write long articles so that you're long enough, but not too long articles. That's not where you should be putting your efforts in this, right? You agree? Yep. Oh, absolutely. You can check an SEO box. Okay, installed my plugin. I did the stuff. You're not going to rank. Uh, it's too competitive. It is expensive. And that's where the things you can do to get ready for an investment like SEO, don't install a plugin. Don't hire your nephew. Okay. That's where, like I said, generating content, good, unique quality content that will serve you in the future that we can then take, make better. And then, like I said, putting a review process in place. Those are sort of the two things that you can do as an owner to get ready for an investment like SEO. The other thing that we do is attribution. So to be able to offer a strategy, hey, you know, we're seeing that you're getting a lot of clicks on this blog article. We want to beef it up. We want to do this internal linking. Your local stuff's performing really well. We want to put some more effort there to pay attention every day, look and see, oh, you're ranking five. Oh, wow, we got you to three. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Lawyers do not have time to do that. And if they do have time to do that, like it's probably not going to serve them very well. Yeah, it's that, business, it's the they have other strategy. issues in their business if they're dealing with that. Yes. Yeah, I love all the tips. And also I want to address the expense issue because I do think that, you know, I'm always telling my clients not to say that everybody listening to this should go out and hire rankings. I don't think you may not be there yet. You may not be the right client yet, but, or even other firms as well. So I love all the, the prep, but I also want to shift some mindset around the expense part of it because I do think when you are at the point where this is a smart investment. That's where you have to start looking at what will the return on my investment. Yes, there's an expense associated with, but there's also a great reward associated with it if you hire the right company, right? You want to tell us maybe yeah. some about about some of you? You have any case studies in mind? I know that's kind of putting you on the spot. Yeah. No, we have a couple case studies. I will get you a link so that you can kind of, if you want to share it. What we have seen is when people are ready to make an investment. Um, they need to have their ducks in order. <laughs> they need to be ready. They need to have their intake system ready. They need to have their case management stuff, all of that, because it will increase their leads significantly. SEO needs a little bit of time to bake, but that's what we've launched firms, small single owner firms into million dollar firms with SEO because that ROI of being that first with the intent, car accident lawyer, that person is ready to sign. Mass torts, we're seeing that right now. That is a huge return on investment for lawyers, for PI lawyers. If they can get that number one spot, they get a single case, it will pay for us. You know, when you're ready to grow, when you've got your systems, you've got everybody in place, it is hands down still the best ROI. It's like social. You can pour a ton of money into videography and branding and photos and producers and all of this different stuff. And it's good. Like it's a great brand awareness. It's a great trust signal, but it is not going to generate a case the way that 
organic SEO is. It's not a direct lead magnet, right? Yes. And I think make a great point about the intake system. You've mentioned this a few times. The way I often put it to clients is I can hand you the keys to a million dollar, multi-million dollar law firm right now, but you are not the person who can run it right now. All of the processes that you go through, the mental and emotional evolution, the expanded mindset capacity, and then setting up all of your systems, your intake, you have to set all that up because if I suddenly just poured open the faucet and gave you all the clients in the world that you say you want, you yes. sitting in a corner in the fetal position crying. It's just the way people are because you have to evolve to become the person who can handle it. And your law firm has to evolve to be at a certain, yes, we're ready for the capacity. Because if you don't yes. have the team, if you don't have the systems, if you don't have it ready to be on go, then what's going to happen is you'll suddenly get a flood and then you'll be worried about losing your bar card because things are going to fall through the cracks. So very important thing to share with everybody. I'm glad that you did that. So we need to end more questions I could probably ask you, but let's go ahead and wrap it up for today. I think there's a lot in here for people to think about and a lot of gold nuggets for people. So tell us how we can learn more about rankings.io and how we can connect with you and other people on the team. Yes, please. Rankings.io, come to the contact page. We'd love to take a look at anybody's site. No matter kind of where you're at in your digital marketing journey, please come talk to us. We have the Lawher podcast that comes out every Wednesday. And then our PIM podcast too, that Chris Dreyer hosts, just focused specifically on personal injury marketing. And then you can email me. I'm Sonia at rankings.io. Great. Thank you. I do want to ask one touch on one thing that I forgot to ask you is that I noticed on the website, there are other verticals that you work with. So it looks like criminal defense was one. You have some other verticals. Is that something that you're scaling down now or is it something that you're still servicing those clients or yes we still work with all firms we just specialize in pi so yes and like i said we do have other services we've now opened design and we're looking to move into paid ads um, and maybe some other services for legal but yeah we work with all different types of law firms we just specialize in pi wonderful sonia thank you so much for being here and sharing and i appreciate you coming on to the wealthy woman lawyer podcast since we had such a wonderful interview and getting the pleasure of talking with you for another hour so thanks so much for being here yes thank you happy to be here if you're ready to create more of what you truly desire in your business and your life then you'll want to visit us at WealthyWomanLawyer.com to learn more about how we help our clients create wealth-generating law firms with ease.